0: You're listening to the City Hope Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. So today, before we jump into that next ministry season, uh, I want to take just a, an opportunity, just a Sunday, uh, to talk a little bit on generosity and the importance of generosity. And I know that as soon as I say that word... Some of you almost want to immediately check out, you're like, oh man, I hit the, I hit the giving Sunday, and I, hey, this is not a giving message, and uh, I just want to tell you up front that I am not the person to try to convince anyone to do anything out of some emotional message, or some, I'm not going to make you watch an emotional video or anything like that when it comes to generosity, I've been there, I've seen those tactics, and honestly, it's gross to me. And so I just want you to know that this is not one of those messages to try to convince you to do anything. What I want to show you today is I want to show you what God's word has to say about us as Christians, us as followers of Christ being generous. And so I just want to show you that today. And so my message, we're just calling it give it away Uh, because that's really what God calls us to do. But to jump into, before we jump into God's word this morning, I just got a really random question for you. Uh, Let me set up a scenario. Say you're going to go on this big trip and you're getting ready to jump on a plane. Let me ask you, what seat do you want on the plane? Picture it with me. What seat do you want on the plane? How many of you would say you prefer the window seat? you little, yeah, yeah, we want the window seat. How many of you need the aisle seat? Like, you might have to get up and go to the bathroom sometime, and like, yeah, you need the aisle seat. Now, let me ask you, how many of you want that middle seat? Raise of hands. There is seriously not a single hand raised in here. (laughs) Hey, I tell you that because we live in a very selfish and self-centered world, where we want the window seat, and we can settle with an aisle seat, but we definitely don't want the middle seat. We don't want to be uncomfortable. And today, I just want to talk about how we can, become, how we can start to overcome some of our selfish attitudes and how we can begin to be extravagant in generosity. And so I researched this week. I, I did a little research on selfishness, and I actually found some articles on it. And uh, there's an article that, that talks about the science that shows that we're selfish, and I I, I, I think it's just kind of funny that we have to have science that shows us that we're selfish, because honestly, you can just look at people like, I didn't need the science to figure out that people are selfish, everybody, (laughs) like, I don't don't need the science to, like, you, you, you can go shopping this holiday season, and you can figure out that, like... People are selfish. You you know, you can see that. You see that almost every time around this year at Christmas. I mean, if you've ever met a two-year-old, everybody, you just figure out. They're just natural. How many of you had to teach your two-year-old to be selfish? Yeah, nobody, right? It's it's an inherent nature that we have. But this article said something interesting. And um, I was kind of disappointed at this fact. But this article talked about how men are generally more selfish than women. And some of y'all are like, boom. <laughs> yeah, so you got, got nudged in the shoulder. Yeah, I told you so. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and actually, there, there's this study that uh, it, it talks about the, the, the male neural system, uh, actually just how it rewards, how our body rewards itself. And it says that the male neural system actually is more stimulated to be self-centered. And on the other side of things, it, the article talked about how women are actually more likely to get this dopamine rush by helping other people. And so men, in particular, we just, we're a little bit more selfish. And, you know, we can create some, uh, some scenarios. I mean, like, like men, I think men are just more focused on, like, surviving, right? Like, a survival fit. Like, like we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that everything's taken care of. And, and so I think it's because I, I think that's why us men are a little more selfish. Women are a little bit. They, they focus more on helping others. You know, we're gonna help others to survive and, and go along with us. And so uh, with that, the article talked about how women are just generally more generous. That it's just easier for. Uh, a woman to be more generous, and so um, it, the article also said something very interesting. It talked about how men that if if a man is in good shape, it gets worse, <laughs> which is kind of which is kind of funny to me. That uh, if a man is has the bigger mu- basically the bigger the muscles, the smaller the heart, which is kind of interesting to me. And it talked about so. Ladies, you you average, or us average men who just, you know, drive by the gym. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, get so caught up in those muscles. <laughs> those guys are less generous. I'm a little bit more generous, you know, We <laughs> on my way to Chili's. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I, there's just all these interesting things that you can find about this, and uh, for for those of you who raised your hand and said you prefer the window seat, they, our article actually talked about how those who prefer the window seat are actually just generally more selfish in life. And uh, you say, well, Pastor Noah, why in the world are you talking about this? Why are you covering this? Well, uh, I, I'm here to tell you this morning for you ladies out there don't marry a man who always goes to the gym and prefers a window seat. It is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And ladies, if you think you're off the hook this morning, men aren't the only ones that are selfish. In fact, the studies are clear that when it comes to chocolate, it's every woman for herself. And so uh, <laughs> we're not the only selfish people out there, and our, our culture is just, we, we literally just live in a selfish culture. We're all about ourselves. And so you say, well, what does culture tell us? Well... Culture often communicates this idea, and especially around this time of year, that it's all about yourself, that you need to gratify yourself, you indulge yourself, you get whatever you can get, you take whatever you can take, it's all yours, it's all about you. When Jesus, on the other hand, talks about something totally different, Jesus actually says, If you want to be my disciple, he essentially says, Don't indulge yourself. He says it actually starts by denying yourself. You know what Jesus, Jesus literally said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so it's so different than the selfish world that we live in. And and rather than just being selfish in all we do, God calls us to give it away. God calls us to give generously. He calls us to be extravagant in generosity. And I want to show you some of this through Scripture this morning. In Proverbs chapter 21, uh, verse 26, it says this. It says, All day long, the lazy and the selfish craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. I love that imagery here because even, even though in our culture today, it's so natural to be selfish. There is also another type of person. There's a righteous person. There's the follower of Christ who not only gives, but he doesn't hold back. And I, we, we like to say it around here. You, you'll hear me at this time of year often use the phrase that we, we are irrationally generous. It's who we are as a church. We, we, we believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's, that's who we are. It's a foundational the core value of our church. We are irrationally generous. And so when we give, why do we give? Well, we want to give to God in a way without holding back. As Christ followers, not only do we give, but we give and we don't hold back. Now, for those of you in here who are going, oh, well, shoot, I can't believe I, I'm, I'm here at this. This is the one message here, you know, that's talking about generosity. I just, I just wish I would have stayed at home. And I, Listen, I, I want to talk to you directly this morning because this is a, it's, it's honestly a very uncomfortable topic in churches, which is really weird, but it's such an important topic because honestly, I want to talk to you because it's, it's how I thought years ago too. If I go to a church, they talk about being generous. I'm just like, they just want my money. They just want my money. I'm not going to listen. I, I, I want to talk to you this morning, and I want to just give you three mindsets when it comes to generosity. In fact, if you're taking notes with us this morning, the first thing on your note-taking sheet is this. is I want to talk to you this morning first about the bag. The bag is today is just going to represent to us this fact that there's never enough in our life. In fact, when we think about this bag mindset, honestly, what I'm going to talk about here is this poverty mindset, this mindset that we just, we just, we just lack constantly, like we're just always in need. And, and we see in, this, in a story, in actually Haggai, verses, chapter 1, verse 6, we're going to see in this story that God's people at this time were not putting... Was they weren't putting God first, and God's people here in this story, in this in in this Old Testament story, they were actually taking care of themselves, and they God had called them to rebuild the temple of God, but they were taking care of themselves first before they decided to take care of God's business. I want you to see what happened here in Haggai. It says this: It says, "You eat, but you do not have enough." You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Can I tell you that most of Americans live this way? This is the popular way, and not because we want to, but this is how most of our country lives, We refuse to put God first. We refuse to invest in his temple, right? This is what was happening in the story. They were called to build God's temple. But before they built God's temple, they were making sure that their places were okay. And because of that, scripture says that even though you eat, you're not filled. That even though you drink, you're not filled. You still don't have enough. It's like you're putting your money into a bag with holes. And that's how most Americans live. We refuse to put God first, and then we also believe that we never have enough. That we're wherever we're at. That we just don't have enough. What, and, and here, I'll give you some ideas of this. That A lot of people live this, with this idea that what what comes in always just has to go right back out. And that there's, there's, this, there's like this holes in the bag and we just can't get ahead and, and we're struggling. And, and yeah, I wish I could give more. I wish I could honor God in my generosity, but I can't afford to. I got loans to pay off. I, I, I've, got, I've got debt and these credit cards and all those different things. And I would love to tithe, but I don't have enough in my bag. I can't afford to be generous You know what's interesting about this bag mindset is that we see one guy in the New Testament who quite literally had a bag mindset. This guy's name was Judas. (laughs) You all know Judas? He's the guy who betrayed Jesus, right? He sold Jesus. And Judas, the very guy who betrayed Jesus, actually, when you read the stories and understand them in context, you see that he was the money carrier, meaning he was the bag holder. He, he held the bag. He was, Judas was the money keeper, and he was always about the bag. He was always about what he had in the bag. And in fact, we see this because there's a, there's a very powerful story in Mark chapter 14. Mark 14 paints this picture of, of, of Jesus at a dinner, and this, and this woman comes in, this woman who actually is most likely some type of prostitute, this woman who had been totally changed and transformed by Jesus, this woman who who experienced the goodness and grace of Jesus, she comes into Jesus and breaks open her bottle of expensive perfume. In fact, the Bible tells us that her perfume was about equal to a year's worth of wages. She breaks open that perfume and she gives it to Jesus as an act of worship. She gave, and she didn't hold back. She gave it all. She broke open that entire jar of perfume. She poured it onto Jesus as an extravagant gift, an act of worship. It was a year's wage. It was most likely her most valuable possession. And she gave it away. She gave and did not hold back. That's how she gave. But Judas, remember Judas, he's also in this story. (laughs) Judas is sitting in the background, and Judas has this bag mindset. He's got the bag in mind. And so Judas pipes up and says, what are you doing? What are you doing, woman? How could you do this? And Judas literally talks about, and you can read the story, he so says, why would you waste this gift? You could have sold this and you could have gave your money to the poor. You know what Judas's problem was? Judas was distorted. He was distorted in his own understanding and in his, in his own way of thinking about his money. Because... Not only was he trying to guard the money, but he'd take probably a little for himself. And so he was all about the bag. And then shortly after, this same guy who's mad about this perfume being spilled, this same man would betray Jesus and sell Jesus for 30 silver coins. Why? Because Judas was all about the bag what do we got? What do I got? How much money can I handle? How much money can I have in my bag? You say, well, how do I know that I have that mindset? Like, like how, how can I identify myself in this bag area of my life? Well, actually, the words you speak can kind of reveal it. In fact, when you say things like, well, I just don't have enough, or my money or money just doesn't grow on trees. Or we'll, have to, we'll just have to sell and go without. Or all, all this, this whole different idea that, oh, well, they always, they always get such a break. And they always have it so easy. And I work just as hard. And the rich get richer. And I, I want my chocolate, my window seat, everybody. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I want my time, my money. This is my bag. It's my bag. But I'm telling you, hold on to your bag your bag will never be enough. Let me show you. Let's look at point number two if you're taking notes with us this morning. It's simply this. It's the basket. I want to talk to you about the basket. The basket is this idea where there is enough. Just generally. There's enough. Let Let me show you the blessing of the basket here in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It says all these blessings will come on Will, will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then look at what it says. Well, first of all, remember this. It's, see, it says these blessings will come upon you if you obey the Lord your God. Remember what happened in the last story? They were supposed to build God's temple. They refused. They didn't. They didn't obey, right? This story we see the opposite, where God's people did obey. When God's people do obey... It says this, that your basket and your kneading trough, you will be blessed. I I, I didn't just want to show it to you in the Old Testament, but I also wanted to give you a New Testament passage about this. In Luke chapter 6, in Luke chapter 6 verse 38, it says, give and it'll be given to you. I want you to notice this. God never said, keep (laughs) and it'll be given to you invest, and it'll be given to you. No, give, and it'll be given to you. Not hoard, (laughs) and then maybe you'll have some for later. Not hoard, and it'll be, no, give, and it'll be given to you. And then look at what it says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. You say, well, why did Jesus say this? Why did Jesus say, give, and it'll be given to you? Well, I think Jesus understands this principle, this idea that what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. You understand that with me? I, I take a note on that one. I even highlighted it. I said, tell people to take this as a note. I'm going to repeat this. What you keep is all you have, but what you give, God multiplies. And I, it's a supernatural thing that happens. And not only that, not only does he multiply, but he promises to multiply a good measure, Sh- pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You say, well, what in the world is that? <laughs> what does it mean to press my money down and shake it together and run it over? Like, do I need to do that in the parking lot before I give? Like, no, That's, th- this, this, is this, this is actually some really cool imagery that we see uh, in scripture, when Jesus was talking about this, the crowd at the time, the crowd that he was teaching to would have had really great context to when it comes to this idea of pressed down, shaken together, running over. Um, in fact, let me give you the context. Uh, so it's harvest season around here, right? And we're, we're harvesting. And, and this, is, this is what he was talking to people who would farm. And just think about for just a minute, you know, before we had these, these great this equipment and all this stuff, they just literally had baskets to carry things in. And I'm, that's, that's how it was done. Think about the type of basket you would carry if you were working for a farmer at minimum wage. Think about your job. Your job is to literally carry the grain from the field to the barn. You're paid minimum wage by the hour. Let me ask you, how full would you make your basket every trip? Probably not over full, right? I mean, if you're a good worker, probably, you probably like three-fourths the way full, right? Enough for you to handle, enough for you that you're not going to spill or, 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 you know, you're not going to have to pick anything up. And, and something comfortable that you can carry back to the barn, right? That's, that's what you're going to do. That's what they did back in the day. Paid hourly, pick up the basket, go. It was something easy. It was something light to take. Now, let me ask you this. Or, or let, me, let me explain this first to you. Sometimes, a farmer, a, a rich, often rich farmers, would be generous to the people who were poor. They'd often tell, He would often tell his workers to actually leave some grain at the edge of the field for those who are hungry... And who can't eat. With that context, let me ask you this. If you were hungry, and it's likely the only source of a meal that you're going to have for the day, how would you fill your basket? Are you going to fill it three quarters of the way full? No, (laughs) probably not, right? I'm going to fill my basket a good measure I'm going to press it down, right? I'm going to shake it together. I'm going to get the most out of it that I can. I'm going to make sure that there's some a little bit running over on the top because it's what I need. It's how I fill my basket. It's a picture that Jesus was giving to his people and he gives to you today that when you give, it'll be given to you. But it's not just an hourly worker that's walking to your basket with a, with a three-quarters of the way full basket. No, he's going to make sure that it's pressed down, that it's all in there, that we've got the most out of it. We've shook the most out of it, that it's running over, that you get the most out of it. And if you, don't, if you don't understand that imagery, I wanted to bring you another idea. Imagine to you, in our selfish culture today, this is, this is to me almost the exact same imagery. Imagine you go to the convenience store and you're filling up your little icy cup. You want know to talk about like you're getting a frozen Coke? Now, how many of y'all fill up a frozen Coke? But you, you here's, here's what we do we fill it up, we pack, we pack it down, right? We get all the stuff that we can in our cup, and then we put the little. Plastic little volcano lid on it, right? How many of you do that? You're not going to lie. You put the little volcano lid, and then you fill it up to the top, right? And then, if you're real sneaky about it, you take a big drink, right? <gasps> They're not going to let me in Casey's anymore. <laughs> And then you, then you fill it back up a little more. I, you, 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 get the, you get the most out of it, right? That's what Jesus was talking about. He's like, I want to make sure that your icy cup is all the way full, man. Like, you that you get the most out of it. That when you give, I'll make sure that you get it back. And that you get it, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. A few stories that I think are really meaningful to me in Scripture when it comes to this, ba- when it comes to this basket idea. Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament about this widow who, it's in 1 Kings chapter 17, if you want to take a note and read it this week. Uh, but there's this widow that has this young son. They don't eat, uh, she's, or she's, they're hungry, they don't have a lot, they don't have any bread. They have a little bit, the Bible tells us, uh, paints this picture that there's, see, she has a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of flour in her basket. It's all she's got left. And so she gathers a few sticks to quite literally cook her last meal. She said, I'm going to cook my last meal, I'm going to eat it, and then I'm going to die. It's where she was at. It's how poor she was. And then Elijah, this man of God, this prophet, comes by and he says, Woman, give me some bread. Can you imagine? <laughs> You're about to cook your last meal. And this man of God comes by and says, I want your bread. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make any sense. And the widow basically responds and says, You know, I'd love to, but I only have a little bit of flour left in my basket. And after we bake this bread, we're literally going to die. And then Elijah the prophet literally challenges her. Elijah essentially says, Trust God, put him first. If you give me the bread, give give this man of God the bread, see what will happen. And this woman who had almost nothing made one of the most courageous, faith-filled decisions in her life. A decision to honor God by giving to him first. And if you read the story, from that moment on the Bible describes that God always multiplied the flour that was left In her basket. She always had enough. Not just that, but Jesus gives us an example. Jesus was talking to thousands of people. A group of 5,000 men is what the Bible says. Can you imagine how many people... That's 5,000 men, not women and children. Can you imagine how many people... The crowd that Jesus was talking to... And the Bible says that everybody in the crowd... After Jesus was done teaching, everybody was hungry... But there was no food. And then this kid comes along and essentially has like a John Silver's like lunch bucket. I mean, that's kind of what this kid had. I mean, he had, he had some fish. He had a couple pieces of f- five loaves and two small fish. And this kid didn't keep his lunch in his basket. Instead, he gave what he had. And you know what God did? He multiplied it. He fed everyone there, and at the end of the day, the story literally records that there were twelve basketfuls or baskets full of food. Why twelve? I kind of got my conspiracies on why there's twelve. I, I I think that God left twelve of them because all the disciples doubted whether it, it could happen. I think God left twelve baskets to send each disciple home with a basket. That's just my little theory there. I like to say a little "I told you so," <laughs> you know, but. Uh, I'm telling you, this one little basket to 12 baskets, you know why he did it? He, to remind them that he is enough. And so I've given you these two things this morning, this bag to where most of us live, where we just don't have enough, we're always trying to catch up. And then this basket mindset to, mindset to where we just, we just have enough to make it by. We, we have enough. But there's another mindset, and honestly, this is the place where I want to live. Like, I I want to live in this mindset. And point number three, if you're taking notes, it's the barn mindset. You might say, that's weird. Pastor wants to live in a barn. Nope, I want to live in this mindset, everybody. Uh, Mindset, the barn, that there is way more than enough. There's way more than enough. Let's take a look at it here in this story. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. It simply says, honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled and overflowing. Guess what, everybody? When you honor God, when we honor God, when we put him first, our barns are not just we don't just have enough anymore, they're filled. and they're overflowing. You say, "Well, well, what does our God want? What does He want? Well, he wants us to put him first in our lives. Jesus literally says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What does he want? He wants to be first. And so you say, well, then what does that mean for me? What do I do? Well, we do things strategically at the church that help you with that. We do things like at the first of the year. We'll do prayer and fasting. You know why we do that? Because we give the first of our year to God. We give the first that we have. At the beginning of our day, I encourage you every single week, beginning of your day, read God's word. Get in his word. Get in script. Start talking to him. Pray. At the beginning of the week, you're here, you're serving God. Awesome job, everybody. Thumbs up, gold star today. Y'all are collecting these gold stars. It's awesome. I love that you're here. But that's what we do. We give him our first. But it doesn't just stop there. I think a lot of Christians live there but we want to stop, because when it comes to our increase, it's a little different. <laughs> we, want to, we want to hold on to our bag. But can I tell you, with the beginning of any increase that God gives us in our life, what do we do? We worship Him first with our tithe. We worship Him first with our tithe. And you know what tithe? Tithe literally comes from a Hebrew word, and uh, it, 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 the Hebrew word just literally means one-tenth. Tithe is one-tenth of whatever God gives to us. As an act of worship, as an act of obedience to him, we return one-tenth back. Why? We do it to say that, God, you're our provider. That, God, you're the first in our life, not just in our time, but also in our resources. In every single way, God, you are first in our life. That we acknowledge that everything that, that we have comes from you. That you've blessed us with our job, you've blessed us with our resources, and I worship you not just by lifting my hands, not just by reading your word, but I also worship you with everything that I have. I worship you with my first fruits. I want to take about three minutes with you before we close to just unpack this topic, because this is often a confusing topic for people. And so I just want to give me three minutes of concentration And I want to show you because this could be one of the biggest spiritual revelations that you have about the tithe. I I just want to show this to you. Take a look at Scripture. I'm going to read this. I don't want you to get lost, everybody. But here's what we're going to do we're going to read this passage out of Exodus. I want to break it down. Exodus 13, verse 2 says, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. You know what God was saying here? In other words, that if you were living in this time, in this time of the Old Testament, what would happen is if, if, if your sheep would have a little baby lamb, right? If your sheep would have this baby, you would give God the first lamb. Now I want you to notice, you don't wait until you have ten little lambs to give. God said, the first belongs to me. You don't wait to have the 10 and then pick the ugliest one out of the flock. The first belongs to him. You give God the very first. I want to jump ahead to verse 13 here. It says, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. And you might say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, there's two types of animals. There's clean and there's unclean. Here we see the lamb is a clean animal, but the donkey is an unclean animal. God called, us, God called the people to sacrifice the firstborn lamb to redeem the unclean donkey with the lamb. And if you don't redeem the donkey, he said, br- break its neck. Well, you say, well, what in the world does all of this mean? Well, let me, I, I've, got a, I've got a question for you, and I just want to parallel this, and I hope that you can see this this morning. Here's my question for you. When you were born, were you clean or were you unclean? We're unclean, right? We're born as sinners, right? We have this inherent sinful nature that we battle with every single day. From the time that we're born, we're unclean. Can I show you who Jesus is? Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is the firstborn. He's called the Lamb of God. And he's clean. Scripture talks about the spotless Lamb of God. You know that Jesus never sinned. Jesus didn't inherit the earthly sinful nature that we have. Instead, God gave Jesus... And you know, the awesome thing about God... Is that God gave Jesus and He did not hold Him back. Instead, He gave His first. God gave His firstborn. Why did God do this? Well, He gave Jesus to redeem us from our sins. You know, you ask, well, when did God give? How did God tithe? You know what He did? God didn't wait to have 10 sons and pick the worst of them to give to us. God gave his best and his first and his only. And what God gave, it multiplied. And you know, this is the reason, I, I, I think this is the reason that I love God the most. It's the very fact that he doesn't ask us to do something that he's not willing to do already. He did it. He did it first. And he says, now, because of what I gave to you, would you put me first in every area of your life? And it's not I'm, I'm not just talking financially, but financially is one of the most tangible and consistent ways that you can do it. And it takes an extreme amount of faith. Can I tell you, when you give, you don't just give your 10%. It's the principle of the first. It's not just 10%. You give the first 10%. And can I tell you, there's a difference. Because it takes faith to give the first. (laughs) It takes very little faith to give what's left over. It takes faith to write the first check. It takes faith for the first And it's easier to give the last, but God asks us for the first. And listen, I understand that this is, maybe this is kind of a mind-blowing thing to so many of us, but it takes incredible faith. And you know what? I think it's kind of funny. because I think perhaps God thought that it would be difficult for us to understand this, because this is the only area in Scripture that God literally gives us permission to test Him in it. I think it's so interesting. He says, God says, hey, if you don't believe me, test it. Try it out. See what will happen. The only area in scripture that he does that. Can I tell you, that's why every single week there's this card in the seat back in front of you. I don't know if you've ever looked at it or it's ever intrigued you. But we honor what God told us. He tells us to give the first and the 10%. So I want to show you this today because it's been in the seat back in front of you for a little while now. It's core value of our church to be irrationally generous. But we take God at his word at this church. In fact, I think this is something really cool if you've never read this before. We promise you that if you take the tithing challenge, if you give the first 10%, <laughs> literally do it for three months and see if God will bless you. Can I, prom- can I tell you? I know he will. <laughs> I don't have any doubt about it. In fact, our church is so confident in it that we promise, try it for three months and if you're not blessed, if, if, something, if, if, if something doesn't turn around, if, if, we'll give it back 100%. That's how much we honor God. That's how much we trust him at his word. Because God says, worship me with the tithe and see that I will not open the windows of heaven, his scripture says, and pour out a blessing upon you. Listen, I want to live there. I want to live in the barn blessing and, and, and not just to have an increase in my finances. Like, I don't give to have an increase in my finances. Man, when I give, I give out of worship. I give out of, you know what, every time that I give, there's a joy that comes on the other side of when I give. There's a spiritual contentment that I have when I give. There, there's something that changed. There's an incredible amount of peace that happens when I give. I don't give to get, But man, it is so sweet when I can give and have peace about what I've done with my money. And when I can have peace and contentment. And I want to give like God gave. He gave and He didn't hold back. And you know what? For so much of my life, I just remember I would hold back I would, <laughs> I would do all the other Christian things, but this one area I would not want to do. I just didn't understand it. I had the ba- bag mindset that I just barely had enough to make it. And there's holes in my bag and I just can't, can't hardly make it. You know what? Not anymore. <laughs> I want to give and I want to be generous. And I want to give big. And you know, sometimes I give big even before, I, even before the increase, Everybody. I have faith to give it. And can I tell you that's what our church has done? The incredible story about our church is that we haven't done any of this on our own. We, we've given, even when we didn't have much at all, we've gave it away. And we honor God in our generosity. And can I tell you now, we're experiencing the barn blessings of what God has for us, but it's because we were faithful and we gave first. I remember writing the, I I remember ordering these flags for the church and all the, I mean, and it was personal. You know how hard it was to write a personal check for all the stuff we needed to launch a church? It's very difficult. But I'm telling you, I have seen over the past three years, the barn blessings that come from the crazy commitment <laughs> That you can have when you're generous, and I'm just telling you, church, give and don't hold back. And you say, "Well, I, I thought this was all about tithing." Well, let's. I want to give you one more scripture here, Proverbs chapter three, verse nine. It says, "Honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruits of your crops, and then your barns will be filled and overflowing." You know why we give? It's not just so that we can have bigger barns for ourselves. You know what? We give to be a bigger, we give so that we can be a bigger blessing to the people around us. Can I tell you that's why you give, church? You give so that our church can be a bigger blessing to our area, to this region, and to the people around you. You don't give to make our barn bigger. In fact, we just do, I don't know if you noticed, but we just do a lot of little simple things around here. We don't give to make our barn greater. We give to bless the people around us. And I give you this message because, remember at the beginning of the service, I told you that I don't ask you to give out of some emotional tie or because somebody convinced you. And so I want to tell you this. In about a month from now, we're having this vision offering. I give you this message today, so that you can really process and think about what we talked about. So that you can actually ask God, God, I'm not. I don't want you to write a check today. Ask God what He would have you give, and what He would have you give away. What He would have you give first. So I'm going to prepare you for that. I just, and I'm not. I don't want to talk about this a lot this morning. But the vision offering, we do this. It's a once-a-year gift that we do every year. It's over and above our tithe. It's something that excels the ministry of our church. December the nineteenth, and to this year, we have a God goal, everybody, to give twenty-five thousand dollars. And I'm telling you, not one person can do that. It takes every single one of us actually asking God and saying, God, what would you have me? How would you have me what, what would you have me give away this year? And here's what I can promise you. Here's the cool thing about the vision offering this year is that over the next couple of weeks of At The Movies we're planning on raising $25,000 and we're going to honor God with the first 10% by giving it away before we have it. And I'm trusting God. You know what? We'll reach our goal. But before we even have it, everybody, we're going to be faithful to give it. And so we've got some organizations in mind. We're going to write some checks to some, some local organizations that just do good in our community. And we're going to say, you know what? We're, not only are we just a spiritual community here. But we're here to support you and stand alongside of you and tell you to keep going and to keep doing what you're doing. We're going to honor God by giving the first 10%. And this year, even before we have it. And I'm excited about it. And so church, it takes, it takes a commitment. And so, like I said, it's, it's something that I want you to really pray about. It's something that we'll be talking about every week. But December the 19th, be here. It's going to be an incredible day. Proverbs 21, 26, last verse for you today. All day long, we opened with this. The lazy and the selfish, they crave and crave. But what do we do, church? The righteous gives. Not only do we give, but we don't hold back. As as the selfish crave, we give and we don't hold back. And we give in the same way that God has given to us. We give our first. Not our last, we give our best and our first. Can I pray with you today? Father, today, I thank you for what you're doing in and through our church. Lord, it's an honor to be a part of your local church. God, I thank you for these examples in scripture that show us how to tithe, how to give back to you. And so, Father, today I pray for every single person in this room who is hesitant to put you first in that area. God, I pray that you would just begin to open their hearts. God, I pray that you would just begin to transform them. Lord, show them that they can, that, that they can test you at it. And so, Lord, I pray for the person in this room that is on the edge to test you. God, give them the faith to take their next step. And Father, I pray that for every person in this room who, does, who gives their 10%, God, I pray that you would continue to honor them, that you would continue to give back to them, Lord, that you would continue to open up the windows of heaven for them. Lord, give it back, press down, shaken together, running over in their laps. God, I thank you that you're so good to us. Father, I thank you that you sent your only son to die on a cross for us so that we can have life. God, you gave your first, and so our church commits to giving our first. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name. Hey, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here with us in this room this morning, and you just heard the story of Jesus and you've never given your life to him, today can be your opportunity. God gave his first and his best for you so that you can be saved. Salvation is a free gift for you. And all you have to do, the Bible says, is just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you can be saved. If that's you in this room today, would you just pray a simple prayer with me? In fact, church, would you repeat this after me? Just say this, say, dear God, thank you for sending your son jesus to die on a cross for me but i believe that you raised him from the dead say this to me and say jesus i make you my lord i give you my life thank you for saving me thank you for giving me the holy spirit in jesus name everybody said amen 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 would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer today